0: right day 257 welcome back to the windows and mirrors podcast my name is keith and remember this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the bible is more like a window than it is a mirror we come to it to see through it and to see god uh not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves all right so it's um the last and final day of the book of Mark. And so, Mark chapter 13. Remember, last time we talked about the travel narrative uh, and how Jesus entered into Jerusalem, uh, just as he was prophesied to do so in Mark chapter uh, 11. And in 12, uh, we have his last and final week. And <clears throat> so, 13, we're still here. And, um, Mark chapter 13 gives us what is primarily known as the Olivet Discourse. Right, Jesus is going to reveal, hear this, to his disciples Peter, James, John, and Andrew what is going to happen soon in the last days. So, here in this text, he's going to predict the destruction of the temple that took place in 70 AD. And uh, many scholars uh, uh, debate about how to interpret these events, <clears throat> but one of the things that is clear is is that this destruction of the temple that comes is uh, a foreshadowing of what is going to happen in the last days, right? When the Lord is going to bring his judgment upon the whole earth. That's why he talks about the son of man, right? Coming on the clouds, right? And the reason that judgment is coming upon Jerusalem, upon uh, uh, Israel at this point is because they've rejected their Messiah, <laughs> right? Like this is the worst thing in the world. You rejected the Messiah, the king of the whole earth, who's God's appointed a person to bring in uh, his heavenly kingdom. And uh, the discourse here, listen, isn't solely about providing a timeline or timetable or a blueprint to map out events in the future, but rather it's to encourage, listen, diligent discipleship and faithful service to the Lord Jesus in the present, right? Like the Bible is much more concerned with that than about worrying about when he's actually coming back. And the reason I say that is because at the very end of this text in chapter 13, uh, Christ's words uh, at the end of the passage, Uh, are are clear he says like no no be alert (laughs) like live with a sense of urgency every day is today right like because we don't know the day or the hour no man knows the day or the hour when the sun will come back and our very lives will be demanded of us so we ought to live like today is the last day we have to serve the lord mark 14 at the beginning of the chapter uh, the plot is beginning to thicken so the chief priests and the scribes were basically looking for a way to take out the Lord right they decide not to do it during the festival because of the possibility of a riot however right after this we have this woman right who comes to anoint Jesus's body for death and burial and we have here again listen at a very much a climactic moment in chapter in the book the disciples failure to get it right and a woman Who not even named in the narrative actually getting it so 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 you see the kind of contrast here remember all throughout the book the disciples have been clueless right they don't have no idea what's going on that's why we have the, the 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 on the travel narrative right the blind men kind of bracket the entire narrative the disciples are clueless and one of the things that many have said about mark's gospel is similar to the other gospels right mark is going to give prominent roles to his female characters right um to show that they have remarkable faith and insight uh and the fact that she anoints his body here. Says something about her insight into his identity as the Messiah and the disciples' uh, lack of understanding of his identity and his mission uh, therein as well. And then after this, Jesus goes to the Passover. Right, he has a Passover meal with his disciples. He interprets these things in light of himself. Right, the Passover was another Exodus theme. Right, remember Christ is bringing this new Exodus. Right, and then finally in this chapter we have the agony and the humanity of Christ in the Garden of Uh, Gethsemane where he is agonizing over the impending death that was coming upon him And once again, the disciples are asleep (laughs) It's like they just keep blowing it, right? But you see the graciousness of jesus they even though they keep blowing it man And i'm and i'm being slightly facetious like i'm laughing but like seriously Like the the beauty in it is it's like no matter how much we fail Like the lord like as long as we turn back to him. He can still use us. You know what I mean? and uh, you see that the gospel literally did go out to the known world in this time because of uh disciples or because of jesus but uh through his uh, broken vessels (laughs) that we call the 12 um and so um subsequently uh jesus goes to his trial right with the jewish sanhedrin and they condemn him as deserving death right because of the fact that he claimed to be the messiah right and they blast they say he's blaspheming he's he's using a daniel 7 language he's the son of man and all this stuff and so they condemn him blasphemy now mark 15 mark 15 is actually the climax of the book it's so good it's so much here and we're gonna park here for a second mark 15 a ton of things happen in mark 15 um and we are told of christ's crucifixion right and this is the climax of the entire book right and the crucifixion is going to be painted and shaped and formed in mark chapter 15 as a divine enthronement ceremony right um and in many ways history Has been leading up to this moment and history will unfold from this moment, right? So in other words, history turns and hinges on the cross. This is why Paul can get up in Galatians uh, chapter one, verse four and say, no, no, like he gave himself to rescue us from our sins, rescue. That's uh, Exodus language as well. Uh, Rescue us from our sins to, or no, he gave himself uh, for our sins to uh, rescue us from this present evil age, he says, right? And so in other words, the, the, the turn of the ages, the age to come, right? That, that was prophesied in the old Testament, the age to come actually shifts into gear when jesus goes to the cross and so again divine enthronement ceremony how do i know this more than anywhere else in the mark in mark he highlights and emphasizes the kingship of jesus right so he's called king six times in one chapter verse 2 verse 9 verse 12 verse 18 verse 26 and verse 32 so in other words the king of israel is going to come to israel as a suffering and rejected king a suffering and rejected messiah now mark is full of irony right chock full of irony like much of the bible and jesus as this divine messiah that is truly the king of the jews right will, will will be highlighted with seven or with several royal features in this chapter one they put a purple robe on him right this is uh has to do with regality and royalty two he gets a crown put on him but ironically it's a crown of thorns right then the roman soldiers taunt and say oh hail king of the Jews, right? So they are calling him the king in a very uh, ironic and uh, mocking fashion. And then they mock him by getting on their knees and bowing to them as if they are paying homage. The ironic thing here is that even though in his crucifixion, he is mocked as being king. This is actually the way he becomes king. <laughs> like this is actually the way he becomes the king right this is the way he accomplishes his great victory now remember in the in the ancient world kings you you were a king and a king accomplished his victory right uh, uh through a defeat right and jesus is doing the same thing but he is being uh seemingly being defeated here but he's actually crushing uh satan's head and liberating his people from sin and so the very means in other words that they try to use to stop the coming of God's kingdom is the way in which God kingdom God's kingdom actually comes <laughs> Jesus wins Jesus wins he conquers he's victorious through his suffering and he he he's uh victorious through his defeat the gospel is so seemingly upside down but it's actually right side up uh, not only that we see in this chapter 2 uh that the cross Was both a religious hear this and a political Declaration that God was making now it was political in the ancient sense not in the modern sense, right? So when the Romans are crucifying him as king of the Jews This was a vastly political statement that they were able to charge him on right in other words To declare kingship in the first century was to say that Caesar was not king, right? It was to undermine his kingship (laughs) and so also not only that Uh, crucifixion in the first century was political rebellion right this is why uh, uh, I always say that the gospel is political in every aspect right it declares that Christ is on the throne and that my ultimate allegiance ultimate allegiance as a follower of Christ as a believer in Christ is not to Rome is not to America or insert any other nation in there but it is to Christ in his kingdom which is not of this world (laughs) right and we see here that crucifixion was reserved for criminals, right? And the custom at the festival, we remember, uh, was to let one go. We see this in Barabbas, right? They chose Barabbas instead of Jesus to free. And remember, Mark uh, ten forty-five, right? Mark twenty forty-five says, "No, no, no! Like the Son of Man uh, uh, came, not they're not come to serve, but to be served, and to give his life a ransom for many." And a ransom is a price paid to release a prisoner from bondage right so here we get a real-life illustration of that truth right in the same way that Jesus releases us from being prisoners to sin right mark illustrates this here historically and literally as a prisoner is released because of what will end up being the death of Jesus right and not only that Jesus or, or, or he is a murderer right the text says and Jesus is murdered in the place of a murderer <laughs> right so it's just so much irony here and further his name means uh, uh um, it it means son of the father barabbas means son of the father and we say that we see that instead of him dying the true son of the father right actually dies and so jesus is bringing about this new exodus he trades place uh with one who was formerly in bondage and he is free showing us that we are in bondage and we need to be free right uh we can insert our names where barabbas's name is right jesus takes our place at the cross uh and, and unites us back to the god we've been uh distance from because of our own sin and rebellion and from there we get a divine response right the veil splits right now remember in the temple you had the holy of holies right that a veil covered that no one could access except the high priest on the day of atonement one time per year now what Jesus is saying or what the text is saying is that um, there is access to the Holy of Holies, right? Which held back the majestic glory of God. And now that actual glory of God shines forth, hear this, in a crucified Christ, right? And at the end, it's so it's so funny, it's so much irony. The irony like doesn't end until the end, right? Um, there's this ironic human reversal as well, right? So at the end, a Roman, listen, a Roman pagan Gentile, realizes christ jesus identity over any jews right nobody nobody else does but he does and he's a roman right and this designation of truly he says uh truly this man was the son of god um remember the, the the phrase son of god had royal connotations in both jewish background and greco-roman backgrounds uh caesar was called and thought to be the son of god in uh greco-roman uh first century uh, Greek roman culture and in the old testament uh the kings uh were called sons of god 2 samuel 7 2 samuel or second psalm 2 2 samuel 7 um first chronicle 17. um and he uh jesus shows that this is really him right he really reveals his identity at the cross 16 comes we have um another woman right showing up again uh women showing up uh as prominent uh first the first evangelist of the resurrection right and the text uh says this it says don't be alarmed when they come to see uh jesus's tomb it says don't be alarmed he told them you are looking for jesus of nazareth who was crucified he has risen he is not here see the place where they put him but go tell his disciples and peter he's going ahead of you to galilee you'll see him there listen just as he told you it's so interesting um that jesus told them that he would meet them in galilee right he knew the end from the beginning and i love the way that uh, verse 6 is constructed in the original language because the verb 10 says that he has been crucified in other words he is crucified, he still is the crucified but also now resurrected king right this is the part of the the reason that he still has um the marks in his body right after his resurrection Uh, and he is a king that is crowned as we saw in mark chapter 15 at the cross right he is crowned That is. this was a royal uh, procession and enthronement ceremony that happens at the cross and the resurrection further unveils the victory that was won there at the cross not just as a victory over sin and over satan but as a victory over death as well right and this one this this victory over death leads to his glory and vindication by the father and we'll see in the book of that he is enthroned right at the right hand of the father and he is still working through his body the church right i think the takeaway for us and mark shows this more clearly than any other gospel is that we serve a crucified resurrected king right he invites us into his kingdom by faith right in the reality that he actually is by faith in the reality that he really is who he actually says he is and as in the result will be that we become who he says we will be. I just want to say that in following the king and following King Jesus, these things should be true of us. We should be people of service. Right. We should be people of sacrifice. We should be people of uh, in, who endure suffering. Right. Service, sacrifice, suffering. We should be people of um, submission. Right. People who are uh, submitted to uh, the, the, the work and the will of of God and people who surrender right who 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 surrender to uh, God and to his people and uh, to what he's called us to and Jesus shows us all of those things and if we want to follow Jesus those things aren't just uh, things we say were true of him but things that ought to be true of us as well let's pray God we ask that you would make us people who serve uh, people who suffer for the sake of the gospel people who sacrifice God people who are surrendered and submitted to you, Lord, uh, we pray that you would make these things true of us. We pray that we would uh, believe everything that Jesus says and trust in everything.